0: hello and welcome to r plus j equals podcast i'm your host joe gadula and with me is my lovely wife my co-host regina gadula hello today we are covering episode 5 of game of thrones season 7 Eastwatch. It was a weird kind of funky episode. We have a lot of thoughts and we're going to yeah. share them with you. Um, I'm so
1: happy that my voice is better.
0: Yes, we're all happy. <laughs> um, I so won't, my
1: Valley Girl voice is back.
0: And I won't have to edit out any coughs throughout the episode. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, we're going to start with three things to discuss and then of course as with our format the last couple of weeks we're going to discuss all the other things thanks to all the questions that everybody has been sending. So the first thing that we're discussing in terms of main plot points of the episode was that opening, Danny burning the Tarleys and and the aftermath of the overall battle. So, what do you think,
1: Mr. Tarley?
0: Yeah, Mr. Tarley is farewell. He's gone. <laughs> and
1: Dick on Rick on whatever.
0: Mr. and Tarly Jr. They're both. Fried. Yeah.
1: So I feel like I actually agreed with Daenerys burning yeah. them because she gave them a choice. Yep. So it's not like she gathered up all of the Lannister troops and said, I'm going to kill all of you and burn you alive because you essentially went against me in the very beginning. She was either bend the knee or die. Yeah. So obviously, he should have bent the knee. And, okay, speaking of Randall Tarly, it just – he was, like, talking about how, oh, you weren't born here. Cersei grew up half her life here. He sounded like a white nationalist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was it was kind of weird.
0: They've been pretty on the nose on their whole approach. We on-
1: you're a foreigner. It's like, yeah. bro, like, calm down. All of the humans that are in Westeros are all foreigners. But actually, the Children of the Forest yeah, were the we're first the people. We're the original. Totally. So... You need to get your shit together, Mr. Well, his Carly. shit's all burnt up, so
0: he can't That's get his shit true. together. Um, the one thing that I was thinking about was the fact that Tyrion is so upset and he thinks that Danny is starting to inch towards Mad-, Mad King level, but I actually disagree. I think Tyrion, he's shown that he's not that good at war mm-hmm. and he's not he doesn't have the stomach for war, he doesn't have the stomach for killing. But this is what you need to do when you're in at war. You need to Give them a choice, make them bend the knee or get killed. Right? How is this different than what Jon Snow did in the North and executing the Night's? Yeah, executing the, any of the Nights Watchmen that that went against him. Especially if any of you listeners are kind of offended with what Danny's doing, think back to the end of last season when you were completely okay with what Jon and Sansa did to Ramsay Bolton. But granted, the thing is my yeah.
1: argument is that charlie is not the same as ramsay bolton well he, he didn't he didn't rape
0: yeah he didn't or rape rape torture Sansa, or kill babies but he's also not that good of a guy
1: right my whole thing is like with daenerys and the, she has to show not even in times of war but just overall leadership because she's queen yeah so she can't always be forgiving people who are going against her i mean think about what all that she's been through and everything that she's learned. Back in season one, she begged Khal Drogo to forgive the witch, and look where it got her. Totally. They were going to execute her and kill her, but she begged Khal Drogo to spare her life, and then she ended up getting Khal Drogo killed. So I think Daenerys has learned her lesson of...
0: How much, mercy, How much mercy
1: can she really show? Because at what cost? She ne- she can't take the risk. So I think it really showed her leadership, her queenliness. And I completely agree with what she did. Yeah, burning someone alive is very tough to see. But she has Targaryen in her blood. It's just the way that they do things. That's just the way she executes people. So i'm all for it well and fuck tarly dude i just whatever (laughs) there
0: is one thing to be said though i think Tyrion's rationale is that targaryen's burning people alive has a really bad connotation to it Mm -hmm. it doesn't exactly send the right message but i i'm still for what danny did i i don't think she also showed restraint she didn't look like she was happy to burn them alive she said dracarys in a very morose tone
1: yeah and she didn't have drogon eat them yeah. <laughs> so like she did with the slave masters
0: <laughs> yeah the other thing we wanted to mention about this part of the episode is how do you let jamie get away you know that well i don't know if she knows that's who jamie lannister is but right. you know somebody flew into the water unless she thought he could just got burnt to a crisp Wow. Well, but how do you not survey the whole area
1: my whole thing is she doesn't know what Jaime looks like. Secondly, the focus was getting Drogon arrow out of him. Yeah. So I think obviously that was her main objective, to get the Dothraki people to pull the arrow out of Drogon. So she wasn't going to spend time looking for this soldier who she doesn't even know who he is versus getting this arrow out of him as soon as possible. Yeah. So but I were- think I'm I'm just going to chalk it up to dude, if I was in that situation and my pet dragon you know, because that would happen. Yeah. Would get an arrow stuck in him. I'm, I'm gonna focus all my energy on doing that versus trying to find some random soldier that I think maybe Drogon even burned alive.
0: I'm gonna chalk it up to bad writing because how did they jump into this water and then swim all, all the way across the lake? Well, Bronn without, was
1: able to swim. Yeah,
0: but he, did he swim underwater for that long carrying Jaime? But like, no, he had to come up a little bit to show his face and again, go back down. But again, you have
1: to think that Daenerys saw the fire, and then her focus went back to Drogon. There was nobody else around her. so I think it's a plot hole. Okay, well, there's a lot of plot holes in this episode that we will probably discuss.
0: Speaking of plot holes, let's address the elephant in the room. The stupid fucking White Walker mission.
1: You mean dragon in the room? No. Okay.
0: That is... What is... We watched the scene where Tyrion comes up with this idea twice, and we still... Can't figure out the rationale of why any of this makes sense. It's bad planning on Tyrion. Like, it,
1: yeah, I don't. I there's don't. no.
0: It's it's really bad writing. I
1: feel like Tyrion has had horrible plans since yeah. season six with trying to negotiate seven years of slavery and then getting off yeah. it. And, like, it just it doesn't make sense because this is what I'm thinking. Okay, so Daenerys half believes that
0: the White Walkers, the White
1: Walkers are are real. real. So I guess she needs proof. Okay. But they also want to have Cersei understand that there are White Walkers. So they can pause the war. So they could pause the war. But if anybody in that room knows Cersei, it's Tyrion. Does he really? This woman blew up the set. She committed domestic terrorism. Yeah. Does he really honestly think that she's going to see a? zombie or white and say oh okay let's pause the war no she's not she is the most selfish character on the show
0: the funny thing is she even says, she's like, oh, OK, I'm going to accept this. And then I'm going to use tactics out of Father's book, which is probably like red wedding or yeah, something. Yeah,
1: she's totally going to red wedding them.
0: Yeah, sh- at least attempt it.
1: Yeah. Um, and my whole thing also is I get what I, I understand where John is coming from. Yeah, his, He doesn't care about this war. He doesn't care about Cersei's plan. All he wants is the men. And all he needs is the men. So in his head, he's like, OK, fine. I'll bring proof to Cersei, and she'll give me men. But John doesn't really know Cersei as well as Tyrion. Yeah. So I really just put all the blame on Tyrion at this point for well, this shitty plan. It's
0: on Tyrion and it's on the rest of them for following it like blindly. And it's annoying because the the writers of the show even acknowledge that it's stupid because Tormund is there. Right. And he just straight up says exactly what all of us are thinking. This is a fucking stupid, stupid plan. plan. <laughs> right. And Hopefully, the writers know what they're doing. Hopefully, there's a reason. Hopefully, maybe Tyrion... I don't
1: know. I think they need to somehow insert the The Night King and the White Walkers into this season. Because, really, no one important or major is at the wall, except for Dolores. But, you know, so, like, they need to somehow get... Important people to the wall, and the way to do that is th- through this suicide mission. Because other than that, you're, we're just going to see a bunch of whites and white walkers
0: fighting humans again. Fighting
1: humans again, walking around. Yeah. So I think this is maybe a clever way to do it, but it's not so clever because it's basically a suicide mission. I, I I just don't understand what the point is. Really, honestly, my whole thing it's is a terrible Daenerys plan. just needs to go kill. Cersei as soon as possible with her dragons and then she could send as many men as she want beyond the wall to kill these white walkers. I know I know there's no time John. John, there's no time I get it but it just seems like more practical than risking very important men in your life like Jorah she just got back Jorah she obviously is I don't know falling for Jon which okay let's move on and then she sent it's just like why are you risking people that you actually care about and learn to care about well, for this mission that you don't even really know if it's it's true?
0: At the same time, let's try to work through some logic there. She's okay with Jorah going up there because she trusts him and she says if Jorah sees these white walkers then I'm going to 100% believe all of them now. So maybe that's the rationale for Jorah being on this squad.
1: I just would I feel like I wouldn't risk his life.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that we have to try to explain our way around this mission and this overall plot, it's showing bad on the writers. Well, I
1: also think why, and I know you kind of made this argument, it's like, okay, if Daenerys needs to believe it and needs to be convinced, other than Cersei, like, why can't she just ride on Drogon, just fly really quickly, and then look at it, and then come back, and then make a decision?
0: No, that doesn't make sense, because she's... That would not only leave all of Dragonstone in danger, because she, yeah, the other dragons are there, but they're uncontrollable. Nobody can control them and tell them to say Dracarys. So she's going to fly up with Drogon, leave all of them behind. But she did that
1: to uh, attack the Lannister.
0: That's because she's going to attack the Lannisters, the only people who are going to attack Dragonstone and her. So she's not going to take the dragon, go up there to the north to look at some White Walkers and then come back down. That's too much of a risk. Because Cersei, they even said Cersei will just, once she leaves, Cersei and her armies will just come down and take over. Like, that's that rationale. The writers have covered their backs on that one. But overall, what I was saying was, I have a little bit of hope, based on how the early parts of the season have been going, that... There are reasons for these terrible plot lines that we've seen, and we'll talk about the Arya one in a little bit too. But hopefully, they can redeem themselves with the ending of the season. Hopefully, there's going to be rationale to some of this stuff. Hopefully, my thing is maybe Tyrion knows that Cersei is just trapping them, and he wants to actually spring a trap as well. I mean, right? that could be it. No, because Tyrion's seem hopefully like- not that stupid
1: doesn't seem like that's what his plan is it's bad writing because i think they just need a cool battle they need a cool winter battle
0: yeah and, and they
1: have the money to do it because they cut it down to seven episodes yeah and i just chalk it up to bad writing
0: but at the same time do you admit that we haven't been able to predict what happens this season so far that it's yes. been unpredictable and they've kept us on our toes well
1: what i would be interested to see if it can redeem itself. this battle is. I mean, obviously it's a suicide mission. I don't see how they're going to be able to take a white, somehow tie, tie it up or get a little girl white and <laughs> grab this it, is, like walk it over. They don't even have it's horses. Stupid. They don't have
0: horses. They don't
1: have they horses. They don't
0: have handcuffs. They don't. They're going to ha- tie right. a rope around They have them? to like and tie it around it? the
1: mouth. Yeah. Carry it around behind the back. Like make sure it doesn't bite them. And then run back to the wall while, while there's an army there. It just, it doesn't make any sense. Like at least take some fucking horses, people. Like and show us some rope. I don't get it. So now I'm hoping that the way to redeem themselves is somehow maybe there's a reason. So we maybe Danny is really worried. And so she takes a dragon there. And we finally can see what a dragon does to a white walker. Or what the chances are so maybe there's a reason but at this point
0: yeah at this point at the end of this episode we were really upset
1: everybody was stupid it's funny because the first time we watched it we're like okay okay and then we thought about it more right and then we were like wait a minute what how does this even make sense
0: yeah i know we're kind of going on a side thing but while we were watching the episode, we are like, oh, this is pretty good. This is cool. There's these all these cool moments going on. But it was really rushed. Yeah. Like, usually we get two episodes of build-up leading into the big battle. But there were so many events that were rushed, like Jamie and Tyrion meeting mm. each other. Jon meeting the dragon, which we'll talk about later or on, which was cool.
1: connecting with the dragon. And
0: this whole assembly of the Westerosi or Avengers. Yeah. Like, all that this stuff like- are things that would have happened in a slower pace with... Hopefully, better writing.
1: I think it was really jarring because I'm over watching travel yeah. scenes and like I don't need to see Davos and Tyrion all in a boat traveling to King's Landing. But the thing is, like, it was all happening yeah. so quickly. Like literally, literally they were like point A to point B to point C to point D. Yeah, all in, in, in the one same hour. episode. At least we used to see them. take one episode take one episode like I'm gonna go here and then the next episode you see that person yeah
0: I've been generally okay with the first couple episodes pacing Mm -hmm. right it took Arya about an episode to get up to Winterfell things like that whereas this episode was jarring and it it flew around way too much for my comfort level and it's starting to be at the point where it's starting to feel like a Hollywood blockbuster yeah or kind of like an incoherent just movie that's trying to just jump to the end and show us the action that we're all starving for. But that's the thing with Game of Thrones. It was never like that. And yeah, I've been okay with the generally accelerated pace of this season. But this episode just sped it up way more. It I felt rushed. I understand like the budgetary things with limiting it to seven episodes. And then you're able to save money on salaries and other things like that. But the this episode had so many events that it probably needed to be split into two.
1: Totally. Right?
0: I think... In a normal episode, Jamie and Tyrion could have been the big moment of the show. Right. And then like Jon meeting a dragon could have right. been the other like big moment of, the, of another episode or anything like that or the assembly of the, the Avengers. <laughs> that it's just been weird. It was weird in this episode. It I was, think
1: it was weird. The pacing yeah. was so off. I think we also discussed to wrap our heads around just the pacing in general for the past couple of seasons is that. Okay, for this season, we can say one hour equates to maybe one month.
0: Yeah. So we because can it's say ten episodes for that encapsulate a year. So right. it's like, yeah, a month and a couple days. So
1: we can assume John has been at Dragonstone for what? Maybe five to six months. Yeah. That equates to like Aria travel time, Bran travel time, all of that. Yeah. It was so messy. Yeah. It's in frantic. this episode it was frantic. It was yeah. messy. Like literally from one scene to one scene. They didn't even they didn't even skip scenes. Yeah,
0: the only thing that they had that was good was the fact that all the scenes were entertaining, at least. Mm-hmm. There weren't scenes that were, like, annoying. Right. But that still doesn't discount the fact that the pace. And, like, the the best example for me is, like, Davos saying, oh, sure, I can smuggle you in the next scene. Oh, we're here. Right. That's never been. That's never happened. No. In New
1: and the way that I always think about it and go back to, it, I try to think how close everything is. Is that in the very first season, the King's Road from King's Landing to Winterfell that takes about a month.
0: Yeah, and that so, took a whole episode.
1: I don't. I don't know. I'm not totally know where everything is at the moment with the yeah. map. But if from King's Landing to Winterfell takes a month, then if. For example, if Sam's going to Winterfell, then there's going to be a month pass yeah. already. So it's all very mismatched.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the final thing that we wanted to discuss out of yeah. our main three points, I know we ended up talking about like six points, but the uh, the discovery of Gilly and her her reading all about <laughs> Prince Ragar, Ragar. Or otherwise known as Ragar, and his annulment to an unnamed. Bride,
1: yeah, which and Sam his, interrupted, yeah,
0: and his secret wedding to a bride in in Dorne. We all know, and hopefully you all know, as listeners of this podcast, that the wife that he annulled was probably Elia Martell, mm-hmm. and the wife that he secretly married is Lyanna Stark. And what does this mean to all of us? John
1: is not a bastard.
0: John Snow is not a bastard, <laughs> a bastard, bastard. Uh, he is. The official heir to the throne because it goes Mad King to Rhaegar to Rhaegar's son.
1: Right. And so what always got me about this theory that Rhaegar did not, in fact, kidnap Lyanna, rape her or anything like that, was that if they still fell in love, Jon's still a bastard because they weren't married. He was still married. And then you always said, well, Targaryens can have multiple wives. But it still was a little, well, they don't, they didn't do that anymore. So that's why I just never thought annulment and divorce was in Westeros. But I guess it does. So it makes sense. But I was surprised. I was like, oh, great. John isn't a bastard after all. So He's not a product of rape. Yes.
0: Yeah, so and I'm
1: glad that Maester wrote everything down because I did tell Joe last year, I was like, I bet Sam is going to find something about yeah. Ray Garleana. And Joe thought it was the stupidest thought and theory. He was like, What, well, he's just gonna read a book? Like nobody knows that information. Well, I But still, this Maester wrote it's still, everything down. It's still
0: quite convenient, but yeah, you were right. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I did wanna talk about from this point is that we have these theories now that are bubbling to our heads about how Robert's rebellion came about. So we actually know, based on the books, and this is not a huge spoiler or anything, while Robert Baratheon was betrothed to Lyanna, and he was ridiculously in love with her, Mm -hmm. Lyanna actually said something like, while he does love me, he has a tendency to be unfaithful or something his love won't she didn't
1: think he would be faithful in the marriage like he also drank a lot so I will get to this but I just feel like at this point we need to learn more about the Rhaegar Lyanna relationship and how it came to be
0: yeah so and both of us we were pretty upset with Lyanna Stark it's like are you really willing Sure, you're in love with Rhaegar Targaryen. Are you really willing to start a war? Like, have a war started over you? So my personal theory is that Rhaegar marries Lyanna. Lyanna sends, like, a raven or a message to Robert saying, I'm sorry, I'm in love with Rhaegar, and we're married. From there, Robert's like, no, this can't be real. He's kidnapped her, and he's raping her, and I need to pick up my arms. Call Ned. Call Ned's bros. Let's go save Liana because this can't be true because she loves me and we're betrothed.
1: Well, I'm trying to think because Robert still loved Liana after her death. He always had great feelings for her. Well, he never saw her her before she died. He always had put her on a pedestal. So you're saying he just didn't believe the letter. Yeah,
0: he didn't believe the letter. He's like, this is... Too, this too far from But the thing
1: is, would it, okay, fine. If she did that, wouldn't Liana not think there were going to be huge consequences to secretly marrying well, the she prince?
0: Didn't, she didn't think Robert would start a war over it. How,
1: how is that even? How how do you not think about that? A
0: whole war?
1: Yeah, Why? I mean, it's the prince. He's so? the prince of. She obviously knew someone of Robert. He's, yeah,
0: but Robert isn't a king, Robert's not a prince. He's what? a fighter. So what? Just because he's a fighter doesn't of mean Of he... course he's
1: going to... Of course she might think that Robert's going to come try to kill Rhaegar. Start a war? Well, I mean, his main reason was to go kill Rhaegar. He just gathered up his buddies to do it. Like, I don't understand how that didn't cross her mind.
0: Because she didn't it's think... It's common sense. Also, Ned's there. Like, Ned should talk some sense into him. But no, Ned probably believed it too. I don't know. We'll leave it up to you guys, fans, to see if well, you Well, think... hopefully
1: we'll learn more.
0: Yeah. We'll see if that's actually in there. But That's just my far-fetched theory. But
1: good for Gilly for reading yeah. that and, no, you know, sad that no one paid attention to her because Sam was distracted at the moment. Yeah.
0: At the end of the day, we've gotten now essentially triple confirmation that Jon is a Targaryen and Jon is not a bastard born out of rape. Yeah. And he is now the trueborn heir and likely is the product of the song of ice and fire i am on the side that the song of ice and fire is about john it's not danny and john getting together and it's all about him and he's azora high or whatever the prince that was promised i don't Um, think
1: that was in the show azora's eye they talk about it once or twice
0: so all done talking about the main points of the episode but of course we're going to talk a lot more in our next segment (laughs) did you send the ravens that was your job, your only job. Send a raven. All right. So we got a bunch of questions. Let's get straight to it. First one from Sherlyn David: Will Jon Snow ride the dragon one day now that he's touched it? Yes. Obvious. He, Maybe not Drogon, but he'll he'll ride. No,
1: he'll ride Rhaegal because that's essentially his father. Yeah. So um, I think, and I I said this in a couple episodes back when John first got to Dragonstone, I I firmly believe that the dragons felt some sort of connection, some sort of weirdness, but it was never addressed. So we finally got to see John connecting with the dragon while I... Wish it was Ragel, and I know you say that's too much on the nose and it's too obvious if he connected with Ragel. It'd just
0: be random if Ragel's randomly flying and he's like, Oh, I'm gonna touch down next to this dude. Well,
1: because he has a connection with him, so he's just gonna, you know, hang out with him for a little bit.
0: Yeah. I
1: don't know. I just feel like Drogon is Danny's dragon and they're connected, and John should be connected with Ragel. So that's my only complaint about that scene. I do think it was a great scene because it was really cool to see Drogon first like move up, and then he's like you know a little vicious, but then he he senses the Targaryen connection. Yeah. He smells the blood yep. in John, calms down. He's John soothes him, and it was really interesting because Danny's face was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah. Like it was well, pretty funny.
0: So. For me, if there was a scene of Regal randomly touching down on this rock and talking to and seeing John, I think that would be too much of either fan service or just kind of out of the blue and randomly there. There was a point to Danny flying down because she was traveling back from her battle and I also think that she purposely landed in front of him why to test him or just to see what would happen
1: no I think she why landed not? in front of him to have a chat with John
0: yeah. So, she purposed, so there's a purpose to that scene. It's not a random willy-nilly thing. Okay, fine. There needs to be purpose in how the show is made.
1: I do think also the, Danny seeing that connection between Drogon and Jon was yeah. something new to her. Because yeah, for sure. The dragon has never... She has she's never seen anyone connect with yeah. the dragon as well as Drogon and Jon and did. And we, we so haven't she's either. very intrigued by it. Yeah. If you look at her face, she's like, what is going on? This is weird. This is interesting. She's very interested in the whole scene. So, and and it's funny because John the entire time is like actually shaking. Yeah, he's terrified. He's terrified. I like that performance
0: a lot too. Yeah, he's
1: like he's terrified? the appropriate
0: amount of terrified. But yeah. he's like no sudden movements. Yeah. I'm just gonna put my hand out here.
1: Because do you think John feels a connection? Some subconscious connection?
0: Well, if it's subconscious, he doesn't feel
1: it. Well, okay, but like, do you feel like?
0: He senses something. He
1: senses something.
0: As a book reader, yes, because we know the Starks in the books. They have a connection with their animals, right? Right. And maybe that's something, if we were able to see the internal dialogue in John's head, he feels something. So, yeah, I'd say so.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, The next question, going along the lines of the dragon and John. Scott Roberts asks, who did the emotional nose petting better, Jon Snow or Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon? First off, I'm not a huge fan of that movie, only because of the voice of the main <laughs> actor, Jay Bear's shell or whatever. His voice is kind of just like random and annoying, and it's too distinct. Um, in terms of the emotional nose petting, though, that movie was decently emotional, and I think I'm going to go with Hiccup. Do you even know what scene that we're talking about? <laughs> I
1: actually do know the scene. It's a but pretty and, emotional movie. And we watched decent. the movie a couple of years ago, yeah. so it's not as productive. remember.
0: Doesn't Probably. he like he's like handicapped?
1: Yes, like that's or his true. leg or his arm
0: doesn't work. One of those things. His leg. So they that's have a true, true personal connection. They yeah. do,
1: do, and he learns how to ride him. Yeah. So, uh, but
0: I, I, I think the John one was. Less emotional, more scary.
1: No, I think the John one was so cool because it was like cool, I said, I finally got to see it. It
0: didn't bring forth tears For the reason, way that hiccup- I feel like
1: I need to answer this question later yeah. because I need to go watch the hiccup from the How to Train the Dragon scene to really truly give my answer. Yeah. So TBD on that one, Scott. <laughs>
0: All right, next question from Lara Indrakovs. Is Cersei really having a baby, or is it just manipulation to keep Jamie on her side? Is she going to need to start wearing fake maternity suits mm-hmm. like Beyonce? <laughs> oh, controversy. Um, I would like the take from the preggers' half of this awesome couple.
1: Aw, thank you. So from a actual pregnant lady, um, we have something called Pregnancy Radar, i.e. Pregdar. I
0: don't know if that's a thing.
1: It's a thing, trust me. (laughs) Um, And I do not think Cersei is pregnant. Not because of her age. I think a lot of people are like, oh, she's too old to get pregnant. I mean, I think a lot of older women these days are able to get pregnant, so good for them. I just think it's based on the prophecy that was shown in Season 5 when Cersei was a young child.
0: refresh everybody's memory about the prophecy. So basically,
1: her and her friend, I believe it was Jane, um, went into this Witches or Magi um, hut, and Cersei was able to ask three questions. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions was, was, and will I have the king's children? Yep. And the witch said, no, you will not have the king's children because she doesn't have Robert's children. Yep. But you will have three children and their crowns will be gold and their shrouds will be gold. And you will outlive them all. Yep. So I firmly believe in that prophecy because another reason why is because that prophecy has also come true in the sense that She also asked, will I marry the prince? And the prince at the time was Prince Rhaegar. And the witch says no. The way she lived her life was partly due to the the prophecies. So I don't think she's pregnant. I think she's totally manipulating Jaime at this point.
0: I think the other other evidence, because I agree with you, are first off the, the sequence of events. My thing is that the scene before where Jamie and Cersei were talking, Jamie was really showing how much he's starting to disagree with Cersei. He still disagreed on how Elena Tyrell should have been killed, and he talked about how Cersei still believed that Tyrion was still the one who murdered Joffrey. But instead, he finds out that it's Olena Tyrell and that caused some conflict as well so then the scene directly after that sort of conflict is her just stepping up and saying oh and I'm pregnant and it's yours and of course and then she has this whole thing where she's like never betray me again she springs all that news knowing that Jamie had just betrayed her with the whole meeting with Tyrion and everything and then that final look she gives as she's saying never betray me again, really sells me on the fact that it's totally a lie. Well,
1: I think, so I interpreted Jamie's look after she says never betray me again as more of like he's realizing that she's become such a one-sided, black and white, evil person and obsessive, essentially. So I don't know if it's that he didn't believe her. I don't think Jamie's essentially smart enough to think that... She's lying. I think he is so infatuated by her still. Even though he has all of these red flags going off in his head. He's still loyal to her. So I don't know if that look really meant that he is doubting her pregnancy.
0: Um, well, none, but, I'd say, sorry to interrupt. I'd say nonetheless, as long as it's a red flag, it's bad news yeah. for Cersei. Right? Going
1: back to the Aletta Tyrell, I loved her acting when um, when she was like no you're lying about Elena killing uh, Joffrey I love how Jamie basically kind of threw some logic at her and was like well if you were Elena Tyrell wouldn't you want yeah. your granddaughter to marry Tormund versus Joffrey and Cersei's subtle face change it was like an epiphany in her head but her face changed so subtly it was so good I loved it I thought that was great acting
0: yeah I mean, she's the best villain in the show, right? And she's kind of always been the best true villain because she's nuanced and she's a great actress. And her characterization is very layered. She has her own rationale for Mm -hmm. everything. And that's one thing Game of Thrones has done really well. They've maintained her as a villain, but it's kind of like this anti-hero, which debatably you could kind of cheer for. Or cheer for in a way that you hate her? I think
1: in the beginning seasons, they definitely wanted the audience to feel some sympathy for her. But now, it's black and white. She is the bad person to beat at this
0: point. For sure. Um, A question that also relates to this from Nidhi Singh. Why did Jamie ask if the baby was his? That's true. And do you think that she's lying to him about being pregnant? We already answered that one. Yeah, so we... Why did Jamie ask if the baby was his? The rest of this question is, are we sure he's the baby daddy? If not, should Maury Povich do a Game of Thrones segment?
1: That would be awesome. But We should invite John. We should invite Lyanna, Rhaegar, Robert's bastards and do a whole episode of that. I would
0: watch an SNL skit of that. That would be so funny.
1: <laughs> you are not the father. Um, you in, are not a bastard. In
0: terms of are we sure he's the baby daddy? Uh, if there was a baby, he would be because... Uh, what's that dude's name who <laughs> blew up in the Sept? The only other person that Cersei's had sex with, Lancel. <laughs> yeah. Good old Lancel's gone, so I don't. I don't think she's having sex with any other Lannisters out there. Well, they're they're all burned up too. So
1: you know what, and it can't be Kyborn. Mm-hmm. That would be weird. But you know what is interesting. Of uh, okay, if Cersei was thinking ahead. So she's telling Jamie she's pregnant, right? Yeah. But she also made this half promise to Euron that if he wins the war, she will get married to him. Yep. So she's pregnant, quote yep. pregnant, and if Euron wins the war, like she's still she's still going to be pregnant. Like, how do you reconcile that? It. You know what I mean? Like, how do you yeah. reconcile that? Like, I don't think she thought of the consequences of telling Jamie that she's pregnant. Also, with now these Game of Thrones timeline acrobatics, she, she better be showing next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because one to two months might have already passed. So at that uh, point,
0: two months you can. But you she find wears, out she was very like covering. You like, start clothing. showing
1: at six months, depending on the woman's physique. But
0: she'll be dead before then.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. That bitch better be showing if she's pregnant, because it looks like two months is going to pass between the next two episodes. That's true.
0: Another question from Nidhi Singh. What do you think was in the scrolls that Sam took with him when he left? And did it include the book that Gilly was reading that had the R plus L reveal? I think Sam did his best finding all the scrolls that had to do with the Long Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his mission, and we both believe he's going up to Winterfell. He's wearing some warm leather, so he's hopefully headed up there. Yep. I don't know if he would have taken that book.
1: I think they he might have taken it, and then that's just going to be one of the... Resources for proving that Jon is a Targaryen. I just don't. I think they didn't show it for a reason. It will probably be a reveal later, and maybe it'll click in Sam's head that oh wait, this information sounds yeah. familiar. But I could see that. I know when we watched the scene, you said it. It was to serve more of the, for audience, the audience for the audience yeah, that's what than I for still- the plot. Yep. To verify that. Rhaegar did, in fact, marry Leon and they fell in love. Yeah. It was more information for the audience.
0: It's a reminder. But,
1: I mean, at this point, Bran knows or will find out everything. He will find out that she wasn't raped, that she wasn't kidnapped, that she voluntarily ran away with Rhaegar. So having this book, maybe there's no need for it. Yeah. But then it wouldn't hurt just to have another written down proof i
0: can see it now bran is in a meeting with john and and sam is there bran's like i saw a vision you are the son of rhaegar and lyanna and they were married like a robot and then bran, sam is just like oh yeah i heard about that like two months that's ago it. That's sorry it. john that's the full reveal with no music and that then, is
1: the worst reveal ever and then
0: john rides ghosts <laughs>
1: I I mean I just think there has to be more of a creative way for Jon to find out he's a Targaryen. I refuse to believe it's just Bran communicating. At the beginning, I was all for okay, Bran's going to communicate this, but then Doesn't thinking it, but thinking about it more, George R. R. Martin has it has to be to a
0: robust, like impactful, intricate, yeah. like
1: interesting way yeah. that the writers of the show will then take and bring it to life on screen. So I just don't see Sam reading this in a book and then telling Jon, plus Bran reading his visions and telling Jon. There has to be a way that we haven't thought of that he's going to find out. I don't know if he's going to completely find out of them two getting married, but just him finding out that he is the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna Stark.
0: You think it comes this season?
1: Uh, I think... It will come at the end of this season. Yes. I think so too. I think they're bu- they're. There's seeding- no reason to stall. Yeah, they're seeding it with him connecting with the dragon and with just other clues yeah. of I'm not a stock on the yep. snow and then a totally. dragon flying over and then also lastly with Gilly finding out this piece of information. Yeah, I
0: think at the least he'll find out. I don't know if everybody will find out. Right. Right. Yeah. Next question. Uh, this is a. A big pack of questions kind of about the Arya, Littlefinger, Sansa type thing. First off, uh, Tony Manorino asks, what is Littlefinger's game here? Does he want Arya to kill Sansa because he thinks he can manipulate Arya easier? And Lara Indrikovs has a follow-up to that question. Do we think that Arya is going to kill the girl he was talking to, <laughs> steal her face, and kill him? I hope so. Um, Littlefinger's game. We discuss this a lot. Yes. My, uh, this this is really tough, and I'm about to go into a slight rant.
1: Therapy session number two?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not as long as the other one. Um, I think it's, I know I keep harping about this, and I hope it's not, but it feels like it's bad writing mm-hmm. a little bit. Because, first off, Arya. You are the wor- like you are being the worst spy ever. You're you're clearly in the vision of of mm-hmm. of Littlefinger, and he knows you're following. You're just like not really doing a good job of this. But you think you have so an so explanation. my
1: explanation for this is that okay. If you think about Arya's training, has a faceless man. She was so focused on learning how to fight, learning how to kill. She never completed her training. She yeah. never learned. The discipline that it takes to be a faceless man, to yep. be stealth. If you think about in season three when Jakar
0: Joaquin Hakar.
1: Joquin Hakar was assassinating people on her behalf, he was pretty stealth. No one really knew where the arrows were coming from. He was pretty yeah. secretive because he is he has the full training. With Arya, because she was so focused on just learning how to kill people and Mm -hmm. take people's faces, she never learned what it was like to be a true faceless man, to learn what it's like to be a spy, to learn what it's like to truly investigate, to learn what it's like to truly hide, essentially. So I think she just lacks the discipline, and that's why it's so easy for Littlefinger to play her.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that, what's Littlefinger's game? I think... He's trying, well, the showrunners kind of said it after the episode. Yeah. He's trying to distance the two sisters so he can remain in the picture. Does he want Arya to kill Sansa? No, because I still think he's a perv and I think he still loves Sansa. Yeah. Agree?
1: Originally, the plan was for Sansa, for his plan was for Jon and Sansa to have a distant yeah. break. And that's yep. what he was trying to insert right there. But now that Jon is gone and these other two Starks came in, he knows that Bran's a little weird, a little robotic. Whatever. Yeah. And he knows that Arya now has this training and she can fight. He's just, he doesn't want to be on the outside looking yeah, in. He exactly. wants to be Sansa's right hand man. He wants to essentially bed her, I think, yeah. in this weird, perverted way. So, by inserting conflict between the two sisters, is a great way for Sansa to then turn to him.
0: Yeah, for more advice about right. how. Yeah. Um, do we think Arya's going to kill that girl? I personally say no. I think Arya doesn't kill innocents. I think she's still. This girl's probably just like. But this okay, girl's sure. not
1: innocent. She's yeah, spying for little Littlefinger. She doesn't
0: deserve a murder. Mm. I don't think she's not. She's no Ed Sheeran.
1: Arya, Arya, at, th- <laughs> at this point, I think has been co- become cold. Yeah. So she is. So anyone that she thinks is. Gonna be on Littlefinger's side, betraying her family, an is an enemy and she's going to kill him to find out the truth.
0: Yeah. Um pending from this one, Sibby Ilor asks, Who is smarter? Arya or Littlefinger? Um, so it's my hope and my prayer that the writers <laughs> are smart enough. That this is just some kind of big triple cross or something like that, and I, and Arya is actually playing Littlefinger again. And no,
1: I don't she's, think that she's too obvious. Because well, I don't think that because you Arya, think she's just bad. She's Arya not good at it. doesn't know. I think she's bad for all the reasons I just explained. Bad at spying for all the reasons I just explained. But I also think Arya doesn't know Littlefinger like Sansa knows yeah, Littlefinger. That's true. So Arya is not thinking of the next step. When, when Sansa talks about Littlefinger, she's like, why would Littlefinger give you that dagger? Yeah. Never trust Littlefinger. Like, she knows him because she's had experience with him. With Arya, she doesn't understand the, gra- um, the magnitude yeah. of manipulation that Littlefinger can do. Because she's never been around him that much. She, you know, she just yes. knows he's there and he's this guy and he's not that good. Sansa might talk to him a lot, might be influenced, but she doesn't know his skills when it comes to manipulating and thinking ahead. So in this situation, I think Littlefinger is smarter.
0: Okay, fair enough. But what do you actually want to be the truth?
1: So what I want to be the truth is I want Arya to then tell Sansa or somehow Sansa finds out that Arya is a suspect of Littlefinger And I want Sansa to think of a plan to team up with Arya and both of them take Littlefinger down. That's what I want. I don't think Arya is thinking one step ahead like I said before. But I want her to confide into Sansa and them to come up with a plan as sisters and take Littlefinger down. I'm just really tired of Littlefinger literally lingering around. Yeah. In the previous seasons he's actually done something to the plot. This entire season, he's been following Sansa around and just standing there.
0: Dropping acid.
1: Yeah, and it's it's getting so boring yeah. and overdone. It needs to hurry up and wrap up. Yep. Like, he's not doing anything except lingering. I
0: tot- lingering finger. I, I totally agree. Uh, next questions from Blake Friedman. We have a three-pack here. First off, these are quick fire. Who kills Cersei? Jamie or Tyrion? Jamie. Jamie. Which is a better bromance, Bronn and Tyrion or Jon and Gendry? Jon and Gendry. Oh, for sure, Jon and Gendry. I know I said quick fire, but I need to shout out that that whole thing feels like what Ned and Robert Baratheon's bromance mm-hmm. was like. Uh, third quick question: Which is a better love competition, Euron and Jamie for Cersei or Jon and Jorah for Dany? Ugh.
1: Okay, well, definitely Euron and Jamie yeah. for Cersei.
0: Way more entertaining.
1: Finger in the bum? <laughs> I miss Euron.
0: Yeah, where is Euron? I don't know. Two-time MVP and then just disappear? Him and Come Grey on. Worm
1: are having a drink together, yeah. talking about bums and vaginas.
0: <laughs> John and Jorah, that's barely a competition. It's more like Jorah <laughs> being like... Well, I've been the friend zone like four times in He's a row. He's completely
1: now. friend zone. Yeah. It's so soap opera ish, though, I must say, this past episode with.
0: In more ways than one. Yeah.
1: When Jora and Danny reunited, John's look of, I don't know if it was jealousy or like, just.
0: Oh, who's that guy?
1: Or confusion, but it was a look. And then when Jora was saying bye to Danny. In the background, John's John interrupts there. it. It's like yeah. something I would see on General Hospital. Shout out to General Hospital. Fans.
0: And a fake pregnancy in the same <laughs> and episode. a fake
1: pregnancy. Literally, that's what I would have watched on a soap opera. And a,
0: a divorce.
1: Oh, my God. And it's, gossip. It's 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 literally. This was
0: soap opera of Thrones.
1: Yeah. Time. And then sisters going against each other. It's so yes. soap opera-ish. So, I don't know. It was a little hooky to me, but I'm so for the Euron Jamie, Cersei Lev Triangle. All
0: right. So, from soap operas to comic books, the question from Joe McNeely. For those traveling beyond the wall, we like to call them either the Suicide Squad, the Westeros Avengers, (laughs) the Magnificent Seven is one I heard today. Who is which Avengers character? So, Regina and I had to kind of huddle together to decide one of these ones. We both agree that John is, of course, Captain America. He's
1: Captain Westeros
0: yeah, he for is, a couple
1: of reasons.
0: He's a little bit tragic. He doesn't have a ton of emotion. He's a little bit mopey.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't have a lot of experience with women. As you know, <laughs> Captain America, I think, died a virgin and wasn't able to con- you know, f- pursue his love with the one chick, whatever her yeah, name is. Peggy. Peggy and you know later on in the future years peggy's great niece yeah and captain america are starting some love connections starting to hook up so there's like some niece yeah uncle weird connection just like some weird john aunt yeah nephew thing so it all is like mixing together so that's why he's definitely captain america
0: yeah um gendry so i have him as falcon he is captain america's buddy they joke around. He's got this braggadocious kind of attitude. So, and he's he's Captain America's sidekick. Which I, I think
1: Falcon sucks. So, oh, and I, think, no. I don't think Gendry sucks. And I actually no. thought Gendry could be Thor because of the hammer. Just so because well, of the hammer, though. Well, now I'm thinking Gendry's more of Spider-Man. He's okay. the youngest of the group. Yep. He's pretty honest, pretty blunt, pretty naive. He just wants to do something. Yeah. And Gendry, the entire episode, was, I just want to do something. I want to help. I want to get an- in
0: on this action. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And that's exactly and, how Spider-Man was And so
0: yeah, no, this is about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Avengers, not, <laughs> not comic book Spider-Man. This is oh, referring yes. to Spider-Man Homecoming, Tom Holland, spider-man we and don't want to get a his lot of character yeah controversy come on we we, yeah that's for a different podcast all right the hound is definitely the hulk hulk for hulk. sure yeah
1: 100 percent hulk smash he's mean big
0: so i had this idea thoros of mir is dr strange he's that's all a good one magic and he does dr strange like to drink I don't know. I mean, he may Probably. be when he was sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he does a bunch of magic he and shit. He brings
1: people back to life like yeah. sometimes doctors That's true. do. That's true. Okay. So, and he's nice. a little bit of that. strange.
0: Yeah, he speaks like weird incantations and shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool.
1: Sees shit. All
0: right. And Regina had this idea. Beric Dondarian is?
1: The Black Panther because yep. he has a cool voice and that was the only connection I can see between the two.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, he's a badass fighter. Yeah. And he's got a lot of screen presence. Yep. Right? So that's why we kind of went with that. Are that there was... any
1: Avengers missing an eye? Oh, he could be uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character. Nick <laughs> Fury? Yeah. They both have an eye patch. I know I'm trying so to get literal. So just the eye patch. <laughs> I know I'm getting literal with the hammer and the eye patch. But...
0: Any other connections Derek, you can make
1: there? was a leader of the group Brotherhood Without Banners. Okay, the eye patch. Nick Fury's
0: not really an Avenger though.
1: Well, fine. Okay. <laughs> Let's move All on. All right.
0: I say Torment is Thor because he's always kind of out of place. He doesn't really know what's going on. He always just does jokes and fights. Torment's Black
1: Widow to me because they both have red hair.
0: Very, very literal again. And then the last one, uh, Jora is Bucky, the Winter Soldier. What were our reasons for this one? Well,
1: Bucky is like always going to be the friend to captain america
0: oh yeah friend zone totally friend zone.
1: and they <laughs> both awesome. have weird arm yeah. issues
0: yeah bucky has well he got his arm torn off so now he has like an arm that has vibranium um and Bucky's
1: then mind was enslaved jorah sold slaves mm, okay <laughs> so
0: i would say jorah's mind is enslaved by danny because yes. he loves her so much all right, so that's the stretch. Let us know in the comments to the podcast if you guys have any other ideas. Yeah, or these. better
1: ideas because we tried on this one.
0: Yeah. So question uh, stemming from these Avengers again. Ian Stone asks, what are our predictions on who's going to get killed beyond the wall? They have all fighters and one priest. Not a good mix for an RPG party.
1: Regina Philip Gadula party?
0: No. <laughs> no. Um, don't worry, Ian, I understand the reference. Um, who's gonna get killed beyond the wall? So you go first.
1: Okay, well, if I really think about what may happen in this entire storyline, obviously, I do not think John is going to die in the mm-hmm. suicide mission. He is definitely suicidal. A.K.A. going in the Battle of the Bastards, doing a bunch of shit. That is very risky to his life. But I don't think he'll die. I, I don't think Thoris of Myr and Beric Dondarrion have a major role in the grand scheme yep. of things. So they are disposable to me. Um, it would be sad to see them go. But I think their whole purpose is to go beyond the wall. And try to get a white, and see if they can do something. But I don't see them... I don't see them see them transferring to next season. I do think the Hound will survive because I am still so stuck on the Hound and the Mountain.
0: They have to fight. Fighting. The Clegane Bowl.
1: And location-wise, he needs to find a reason to go back to King's Landing. If they're really trying to get the zombie yeah. back to King's Landing, then the Hound should be part of the posse that meets up with Cersei. Yep. So, so what about I th- Gendry? I think Gendry's going to live because... He is the last Baratheon, and I think it would be really cool to have a Stark and Baratheon fight yep. again side by side. I agree. And I don't think they would bring him back after so long and then just kill him the next episode when he's already. He has a cool yeah. ass hammer. He's
0: cool. I agree.
1: And then Jorah. My last prediction about Jorah is that I think Jorah is going to die, unfortunately, in this suicide mission really? because my thing is. After all these weird soap opera looks that John, Jora, and Danny, or John and Jora had with each other. John and Jora had each other. Well, to... you know, they were looking at each other with Danny. Like, I
0: like your beard.
1: <laughs> I just feel like Jora has this feeling that Danny is googly eye for John. Yep. And so Jora will then maybe sacrifice himself to save John's okay. life. I see that. So, because at this point, I think Jora. Knows that Dan- Danny loves him, but she will never love him romantically or sexually. Yeah. So, Plus, I he's think-
0: kind of infected still. I th- no he's not
1: infected he's completely healed yeah
0: but you think danny would touch that touch but danny tool? touched
1: his bare hands when would she gave she him a hug would she touch the other thing well danny wouldn't even touch him even if he didn't have gray scales. what a sad just, life it's, he's forever friend zone so i think he's going to die a very um sacrificial death and that sacrifice is going to be for john's life
0: so your account is Barrick. dead thoros dead and Chora, those dead. are the three dead. Tormund,
1: um, uh, I think he'll, I think he'll stay alive because he's a cool character. Yeah.
0: Okay. So from there, I agree. John and the Hound have plot armor. I think they have future purpose in the show, and they will survive. Those are the only two for me that I know for sure will survive. Uh, my other predictions, sadly, I think Gendry will die.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: I don't want him to, but I think he will.
1: You don't think but they brought him back and they're going to kill him?
0: They tied they brought him back to tie that loose end. They're going to give him a little moment and then they're going to send him on his way.
1: But the hammer would be so cool to be used in future wars. Yeah. And he knows how to make swords.
0: Yeah. That's which, a, a later question which we may oh, answer. Oh, okay. I I just don't think I don't think I, I would love to see him survive to the end. And have him, like, lead Storm's End and be the warden of that. And be best buds with John because they fought in battles. But it feels too clean to me. Um, so I'm going to say he dies. I think Tormund lives because mm-hmm. I think he has a place. He can, he can still be out on the wall. Um, I agree Thoros of and Beric will die. And and I think Jorah will also die. I think Jorah will, like you say, sacrifice himself for John and say... Take care of Daenerys for me.
1: Right, because right? what's the point of those looks? Yeah,
0: there's exactly. no point. They planted those seeds real firmly right. into that episode into everybody's mind. So there's something has to happen. With it that.
1: was so obvious. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, Keith Rodenbustle asks, why can't they just kill some dude in <laughs> Castle Black and make a White Walker that way? Didn't that happen in season two or something? White Walker attacked Mormont because he was like a, a corpse. And he attacked Mormont and John, and he Keith feels like this is a huge plot hole. Yes, this whole fucking thing <laughs> is a plot hole. And yeah, that did happen in season two, but apparently that's not how people become White Walkers anymore. They don't just automatically become Walking Dead style zombies just from dying. So I don't. Well,
1: the Night King raises them up.
0: But in season two, one or one, whenever that happened, the Night King didn't raise that one up. He just died and then became. But how, how plot
1: why plot. do you think that has changed? Why can't they just die and then come back to life as a zombie in the north? That's true. That's why they burn all the bodies.
0: So it's a plot hole.
1: I mean, morally, <laughs> they can't just kill. A, there's only like 20 Night's Watchmen at that point. They can't just pick one and yeah, say, true. hey, let's turn them in Keith, a zombie.
0: The real reason is because they need to have a cool ass battle <laughs> north of the wall for this end of the season. And exactly. That, and that is that. All right. Scott Roberts asks, why is Cersei so skeptical of the undead army when her personal bodyguard is a giant mutant zombie? That's true. I didn't really think of that. Um, My rationale is going to be that the the mountain is based on science. (laughs) The the undead army in the north are all based on magic. She don't believe in no magic, but she believes in science.
1: Science with Tyburn and inserting blood and bringing it back to life. All right. Maybe there's a medical procedure for that in Westeros.
0: Connie Revis asks, will Gendry and Arya have a reunion? He once told her she'd be his lady.
1: I hope so. That'd I, be
0: nice. They'd be a nice But you pairing. think
1: Gendry's going to die.
0: So my answer is no. They won't reunite.
1: <laughs> <be> <laughs> I hope they have a reunion because I think it'll be really sweet. My whole
0: You think Arya wants a love life?
1: No. She's probably not no. going to have one because she's an idiot. Exactly. But my whole thing is, why didn't Gendry mention Arya when he was talking to john and he first met john first of all i love when gendry was so honest he was like davos was saying oh you need to be clovis and he's like i'm robert baratheon's yeah. bastard son it was great and i love how he called out kit harrington's shortness but um i don't know I, I was thinking that he would mention aria but It seems like Jon doesn't give a shit about Arya and Bran being alive in any ways, which we'll get to. So
0: That's just more complaints about this episode. But the other thing I loved about Genji was when Davos picked him up and he's like, I thought you were still rowing, acknowledging all the fan theories about how we all realized that he told him to stay along the shore, but it was an island. So everybody's like... He's still rowing. Right. Yeah.
1: And this is the first time in, in the season that we got to see Jon Snow laugh.
0: Yeah. That's true. Like
1: he has been so brooding. He has been so obsessed with the Night King. Like I said earlier, it's he true. got a raven from Maester Wolken saying his sister and his brother's alive. And then he was like, The Night King is coming. And I've
0: seen it with my eyes. Even
1: Danny was like, I'm happy for you. He's like,
0: I'm not happy. And then she's I've like, I've seen the Night King.
1: You don't look happy. Like yeah. it was so weird
0: so back to that scene where john laughed it was very reminiscent to me of that season one i think that was the series premiere yeah, where where robert baratheon walks up to ned and says you've gotten fat." Yeah. and then ned who's all stoic face like he breaks out in laughter nice. and th- that was a really cool touch to that scene and rest in peace gendry because you're gonna die
1: rest in peace Ned Stark.
0: Oh. And Catland's dark. Oh Ned. Your no. Favorite. No, fuck. no. No. No, no. <laughs> Alright. Another Gendry question from Hawk Tran. Does Gendry know how to make Valyrian steel weapons? Now, we looked this up before the episode because I actually remembered it from the book and because Hawk also mentioned it online to me the master of that blacksmith area that gendry was working in apparently in the books he is the the best armorer and weapons maker in all of king's landing and in the books he's the only one who can make valyrian steel armor and weaponry mm-hmm. okay. now that wasn't established in the in the show at all so i don't think it's going to come to life well cuz
1: you think gendry's well, yeah, going to die
0: exactly so i don't think it'll come to life in the actual tv show but if you're asking the actual question yeah i think gentry knows how to do that
1: and that's why i think he serves a purpose in the whole grand scheme storyline because he's going to be one of the leaders yeah. in making these weapons to fight the white walkers now that he has gone on the suicide mission he knows what they're like and he's
0: seen the night king he's, he's looked seen- him into the eyes
1: <laughs> exactly he he's gonna know how to make maybe badass weapons for dragon glass so i think he does serve a major purpose for this story
0: yep um i'll be honest i'm hedging my bets i'm i keep saying that gendry's gonna die because i don't actually want him to. so
1: you're just i'm just preparing
0: (laughs) myself mentally because i think he's a cool addition to this cast
1: i didn't realize you're so superstitious yeah
0: well, it's just like, like sports betting. It's, uh, is that
1: why you sit in a specific place when you watch Game of no, Thrones? No, I, no. I have party. no control over okay. Game of Thrones.
0: I have control over what happens in sporting events, of okay. course. <laughs> Duh. Uh, speaking of sports, Marty Hess asked the the question we've all been asking. How fast would Kevin Durant bend the knee? Kevin Durant would bend the knee before Danny even touched down and shot her first flame. Before, before she even said Dracaris, Kevin Durant sees Drogon flying in the air, and he's like, well, all right, uh, I'll sign a-, a contract for you, Daenerys. I'll take less money so you can pay the rest of the team more, and I'm 100% on your side already. Where's the uniform? I'm ready to put on this new armor uh I mean, let's, Kate, move. let's move katie doesn't
1: care about oklahoma i mean winterfell so
0: winterfell <laughs> is totally the oklahoma city of westeros <laughs> so boring yeah oklahoma city your city is boring
1: hey what if we have oklahoma city listeners
0: i doubt it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know if we offended any oklahoma fans out there
0: if i offended sorry. any oklahoma city residents Move away from Oklahoma City.
1: <laughs> okay, one thing about KD, because he went to UT, hook him. Um, I mean, he's smart. He needs to go and win a championship. He needs to go on the side of Dragons. Come on. Even Braun said that the the partnership ends with Dragons. I would. Shit.
0: Yeah. Um, Fuck my pride. <laughs> Follow-up question to you. Mm-hmm. Who is the LeBron James with Game of Thrones?
1: Ooh. I need to think about that. Who's one. someone
0: really, really good, but he's not quite the best of all time. <laughs> so
1: he's not the Michael Jordan of Game of no. Thrones. Um, the Michael I Jordan have... of
0: Game of Thrones is like Rhaegar Targaryen. He's no, a... Rhaegar yeah. Targaryen died. <laughs> but Rhaegar's like by a icon. hammer. <laughs> all right, okay, true.
1: he's not Rhaegar Targaryen. If anything,
0: <laughs> all right, <laughs>
1: Mike... okay, this is a whole other podcast. This is
0: definitely a whole other podcast that we need
1: to. Discuss we'll, we'll
0: save it for the, the, the off-season, exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, Debra Wang asks, who do we think is going to win the throne at the Ooh, end?
1: I love this question. Do you want to go first? Yes. I know this podcast is not all about theories, but this answer is just coming from what I think. It's not really based on actual events happening in the show. It's just what I think. Because I think at the very end of all things... John is going to be king of the Seven Kingdoms. Yep, and I think actually Sansa, who I thought in the beginning of this season will die, I actually think she's going to end up being wardeness of the North for a couple of reasons. So, my first reason is that George R. R. Martin did an interview a couple of years ago and the interviewer asked, "So, I know you can't tell us the ending and you probably didn't write the ending, obviously, but you what what kind of tone are you going for?" Mm-hmm. And his answer was that he's he loves how Lord of the Rings ended. So, I'm yep. not sure how many listeners have watched Lord of the Rings. Hopefully all of you Hopefully all of you. But the way that *Lord of the Rings* ended was more of a bittersweet ending. So yes, right. good prevailed and evil was uh, destroyed and defeated. But some of the main characters were, were not made. Were pretty fucked up. They were not made yeah. whole again. So basing off of basing it on that, I think what's going to happen is that Jon's going to win. But everybody other than Sansa. Who he loves is going to die. Like he's going Ooh. to end up more of a tragic character than he is right now. But he's going to be king. It's going to be bittersweet. A lot of characters that we like and love are going to die. And the reason why I'm saying that Sansa is going to be wardeness in the north is because I thought it was very interesting. This quote stuck with me during this season when John and Danny first met. Danny says. There was years of peace when a Targaryen served as king of the Seven Kingdoms and a Stark was warden of the North. I just think it would be so poetic if Jon is the Targaryen that serves as king of the Seven Kingdoms and Sansa Stark is wardeness of the North. So that just stuck with me and I just also feel like Jon died already. I just don't see him dying again. Yeah. He has plot armor. I see Danny dying for many reasons, including the visions back in season two. I do firmly believe that Danny is gonna die based on those visions. She's gonna die at the wall because when she sees Call Drogo and her baby's son, I think that represents afterlife.
0: So she's gonna die like next episode.
1: <laughs> no, I think <laughs> they're gonna fight White Walkers next year. I think she'll die at the very end, but I think she will die at the wall. And I don't know about the dragon survival, but I think I think that's what's going to
0: happen. All right. So I'm going to answer more quickly. Um, my theory is that Jon Snow is Azor High. He's the one to lead the kingdom out of the Long Night. But that is in reference to the battle against the Night King and the White Walkers. So I think he'll beat them, but I think he'll die somehow. again. Yes, he's dead. He's okay. not going to be on the throne at the end. He's going to win the war for them, but he's not going to be the king. And in terms of who's the king, I'm going to hedge my bet again. I'm going to say Kendry's the king at the end.
1: Kendry, But then he just said two minutes ago that going to die. I just,
0: I'm hedging my bets both ways. You're a flip-flopper. I am. I should not be a politician. Or I should be a politician.
1: You're like Littlefinger. Yeah. Uh, figuring out all the different scenarios. <laughs>
0: Thanks for sticking out with us through this segment. We do have one final question from Shalane Walker. Will there be a Big Brother podcast for those of us who don't have premium cable or basic cable? Ooh, a cord cutter.
1: Yeah, this is a shameless plug, but we will not have week-to-week podcasts because Game of Thrones is ending in two weeks. But me and Joe are discussing to continue our conversations through movies, big movies.
0: Yeah. But we'll see. We haven't We're thinking here and there we'll do... Some podcasts, as long as, you know, the future baby <laughs> allows. Oh yeah,
1: we have a baby too, so we gotta, uh, so, we gotta take care of that. I mean, our <laughs> thoughts
0: are maybe one podcast for the whole show of Stranger Things. If Westworld is any good, we'll do a one podcast just for the whole series. And I
1: definitely I, want to talk about Star Wars coming out in Obviously,
0: November. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. But we don't think that there's another show that allows us enough to talk about week by week. But we'll we'll give you guys our opinions on the biggest pop culture.
1: Game things. of Thrones has become such a culture that every Monday and even Tuesday after we do this podcast, I am consumed by various conversations at work online about Game of Thrones. It literally takes up three days of my week. And I just don't think there's a show of that magnitude that exists out there and that will be coming up after
0: Yeah, after this month. I can't imagine what Regina would have been like if she watched Lost and liked Lost at the time that it was out because she thinks these theories are crazy and like this, this show is that captivating. Lost in its heyday was the same level as really? theorizing. Yeah, because the writing and the acting of Lost... We're going to start talking about Lost a lot too much. Lost's ending is bullshit and sucks balls, but... I
1: hope that doesn't happen when Game of Thrones but, ending.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll see. All right, to the next segment. The
1: king in the north!
0: MVP of the episode. You All go right.
1: first. All right, so mine's a little controversial, but the MVP of this episode, I'm going to have to give it to Littlefinger. The king in the north! And then really? We, yes. The reason why I'm saying his little finger is because he's totally winning the manipulation game with Arya for all the reasons I already listed before. But even this plot seems slow and annoying right now. I do have to admit the way that he's manipulating Arya is pretty good. Like it's
0: He won the episode. He won
1: yeah. the episode. He's totally driving the wedge between Sansa and Arya. And I think he knows what to manipulate Arya with, which is her preconceived negative emotion towards Sansa. And he's doing it really well.
0: Yep. My MVP of the episode is Braun. The
1: king in the North. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Braun first off single handedly saves. The commander of the little of the Lannister army, he dives into the water. Amazingly, is able He's to. He
1: saved Jaime multiple times. Yeah, but though.
0: he, Jaime is in full armor. He carries him out of the ocean or whatever <laughs> the deepest lake in the world, <laughs> and swims him far enough away that none of the Dothraki can even see him. That's crazy. I guess that's what the motivation of money can do for Bronn, right? So not only does he save Jaime and get him back to Cersei. He brokers this whole thing with Tyrion, and he's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I see that we're not going to win the war, so I'm okay, and I want this meeting to happen. He brokers a secret meeting, which technically it's not that secret because Cersei knows about, but he brokers this meeting between Tyrion and Jaime. Like, he low-key did the most work in this episode for the forward movement of the plot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was actually worried that Cersei killed him in the end of this episode.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that would be the, the lamest way ever for Bronn to die. Um, but yeah, he is my MVP.
1: Okay. I also think that I don't understand why Bronn doesn't switch to another side, but we'll talk about that yeah. later.
0: <laughs> Whenever, you never know. He'll, yeah. he'll go to whatever side has money. So let's wrap this episode up with our Dracarys. Dragonfire hot take of the week
1: so my Dragonfire hot take of the week is that Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen are a bunch of selfish assholes
0: that's accurate
1: because okay like we talked about earlier I think that them falling in love is all cutesy and wootsy
0: but they can't wait cutesy and wootsy (laughs) that is not a thing it's a thing wootsy is not a word is that like Etsy and woot combined it's a thing alright
1: Anyways, Anyways, cutesy and wootsy, because they selfishly fall in love and they complete. They start a whole war. When
0: Robert started the war,
1: right? Okay, well, because what Robert started <laughs> the war for good reason, though.
0: Because he wants to marry her and he doesn't believe her her letter. That's
1: the way that you do things in medieval times. Just like incest, if someone steals your woman, you're gonna start a war. Okay. Secondly. Did Lyanna Stark's father and brother got burned alive by the Mad King. Okay, even because if they even yeah. if they ran away together, wouldn't you know, once you find out that happens, wouldn't you be like, peace out, Rhaegar, I'm leaving you? I don't care if she was yeah. pregnant with Jon Snow. But you never That's know if, your father and your brother.
0: I personally don't know the timeline. Did they die after
1: that? They died before after Rhaegar Liana died. died.
0: And did when did Liana die?
1: Either way, though, Liana and Rhaegar are stuck in a dorm having sex when all these people are dying for them. I just feel like, yeah, okay, maybe Robert wasn't the best fiance. He probably would have cheated on her after they got married. I just feel like, like I said before, getting married to the secretly married to the Prince of Westeros is not just going to go over so lightly with people, you're going to cause a bunch of shit. Yeah. And during these times, you're going to cause a bunch of deadly shit. Okay? So, I just think they're selfish. And you know what's interesting? They bore Jon Snow, who is very selfless now. (laughs) So, it's very ironic. Two selfish parents having a child who has become very selfless and doesn't care about his own life and doesn't seem to care about falling in love.
0: Yeah. It's because his dick doesn't work. (laughs) He's got a zombie dick. All right. My hot take is a complete flip-flop from last week. Um, Uh Uh-oh, I'm on Team Sansa this week.
1: Oh, my God. So
0: I had an epiphany while watching this episode. Remember last week, I was like, what is that face Sansa made at Arya? Like, is it jealousy? Is it anger? I had the revelation in my mind that Sansa... Made that face actually because is about to mess up all the plans she already had. Mm. She's Sansa's been playing Littlefinger this whole time, and then Arya comes in out of nowhere, and sh- she's just upset. She's like, "This is a whole new wrinkle that I have to plan for, and it's a whole new wrinkle that I have to think about." And she's gonna, she's messing it. She could mess all of this up, and it 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 continues in that scene later on when her and Arya are arguing. She's like. I have work to do. And the work is actually she's like, I gotta figure out how to maneuver through this as well because because Arya doesn't understand all about Littlefinger, so she's gotta think about that. So right now, in especially in that argument between the two of them, I am on the side of Team Sansa because Sansa did the right political thing to Glover and to the guy from the veil. Vale. Don't even know his name and don't even care. His face kind of annoys me. Um, she is right. She's not actively thinking, oh, I hope John dies. And yeah, Arya doesn't say that. But she's doing the right thing because she knows how to play the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Right? Arya doesn't know how. She doesn't even know how to run away from the waif correctly. <laughs> Arya's pretty stupid. She's just a she's a blunt instrument the way that John kind of is. She's a weapon. Right? But Arya, Sansa is playing this game right. And in that argument, I was like... Well, I think I'm Team Sansa, amazingly for this one.
1: Well, I okay, I agree with you because I do think when Arya told Sansa, you know, you have thoughts about if what if John doesn't come back. I do think there is a little part of Sansa that she she likes the power, but she's ne- she is not going to betray John. She's not going to betray her family. She's going to do everything in her power to keep the Stark family at Winterfell. Yeah, and so. Like I said before, she knows Littlefinger to the T, so mm-hmm. she's never going to trust him. She always reacts negatively when Littlefinger makes a move towards Bran, towards Jon, or anything like that. Yeah. So I do see that she is trying to think one step ahead and trying yeah. to figure out. But why can't she just t- tell Arya the truth about Littlefinger? Why can't they? Why can't one of them just go to Bran and say, "Hey, w- should I trust my sister?" Yeah, I, I know. I plot know holes. those are those are plot holes, and obviously, it's an easy way out to go to Bran, and brands o- is just well, Bran might—you
0: never know. Bran might just be like, "Shut up, I don't care." I
1: know, He's but like,
0: go go fly a kite.
1: I think Sansa's a lot smarter than Arya yeah. when it comes to this stuff, and I do agree with you. What and I agree with what Sansa said to Arya about you need to be political. I really liked how she said. Well, the Wildlings, the Mormons, we all took back Winterfell together. together. So she knows She's the importance showing, yeah. of She's working together. She's like, look, oh, Arya, yeah, we have to work together. Right. Yeah. And as Lady of Winterfell, she needs to hear people's complaining. Yeah. Even Bran was complaining about hearing people's complaining back Ar- in season one. Arya
0: doesn't know anything about She's, what it's like to be She, she has tunnel a governor. vision. Yeah. She,
1: all she is out for is revenge blood. and blood.
0: Yeah. And with that said, finishing this podcast up with blood and fire... Thank you for listening. I know this has been our longest episode ever, but it's thanks to you guys for suggesting all these great questions. We're all really excited for the season to wrap up. I think the next episode is 71 minutes long. The last one is supposed to be like 82. So here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. We're in for the, the last stretch of the road.
1: Thank you, everyone.
0: Bye.